بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمود الحمد للہ of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I started the subsection in which we're now taking a glimpse into his renowned taqwa. And I began the report, which I'll summarize thus far, which is authentic, recorded in Tirmidhi, Ibn Khuzayma, Hakim Zahabi, Ibn Hibban, Targhib, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 665. that Atabi'in called Shufay al-Asbahi, Rahmatullahi, he came to Al-Madina. And when he located Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu, he asked him one-to-one to narrate a hadith to him, which he heard directly from the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa and he understood fully. So Abu Hurairah, who was in his dwelling at the time, he said, I will narrate to you the hadith which I heard in this very dwelling and there was nobody else with the Prophet except myself. When he said this, he began to have a panic attack. He started to gasp. But he managed to recover and he wiped the sweat of his face and he said it again. He said, I will narrate to you the hadith. But this time, when he had a further panic attack, he actually fainted. And the Tabi'in then held his head forward and he recovered. Upon recovery, Abu Hurairah finally said, Rasulullah informed me, when the day of judgment arrives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will descend to judge between the people and every nation will be kneeling in submission. So he's finally, he's up in the report, he's finally got to the hadith. But don't forget, he was finding it very difficult to narrate this hadith because he understood the gravity of it. So he opens the narration by narrating that the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Ta'ala will judge. He's going to judge on the day of judgment and everybody will be on their knees. The first people to be called forth will be a man who had learned the Qur'an by heart. Then a man who was killed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a man who had a lot of wealth. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will first say to the reciter, did I not teach you what I had revealed to my messenger? The reciter will say, certainly, O my Lord, Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say, What then did you do with what you were taught? The reciter will say, I stayed up at night and during the day, I to recite it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, You have lied. The angels alayhi salatu wasalam, will then testify, You have lied. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say to the recite, you only wanted it to be said that so-and-so is a reciter 
and indeed it was sin. So stop with the report. So the Prophet he's mentioning these are the first three who will be brought to judge. And outwardly they are pious. One is a Hafiz, a reciter of the Quran, maybe a Qari. The second is the apparent martyr. And the third is the one who's been blessed with a lot of wealth. Now this person, the reciter, think about this. He's lying. Astaghfirullah. How can you lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah ta'ala asks him, what did you do? I, with this knowledge of the recital. And he says, I stayed up night and day, meaning I was reciting. I had a great love, I was reciting. Who's the kind of fool? <laughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you're a liar. The angels then say, you're a liar. And Allah ta'ala said, this is the reason. You learned the Quran you learned how to recite. So people would call you a reciter. And this is what happened. You become a Qadi. Congratulations. Then the report stops with him. Then the Prophet said, The one who had a lot of wealth will then be brought. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, did I not give generously to you so that you were not in need of anyone? He will say, certainly, O oh my Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say, what then did you do with what I gave you? He will say, I used to give it to my relatives and in charity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you're a liar. <laughs> The angels will say, you have lied. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say, you only wanted it to be said that so and so is generous. And indeed, it was said. So stop in the report. So again, the second liar. So who's lying? <laughs> Apparently a pious person. Allah blessed him with wealth. And look how interesting. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? What did you do with what I gave you? There's a lesson in that. It's not even your wealth. He didn't even say, what did you do with what you, know, what you earned? He said, what, exactly, I gave it to you. What did you do with it? Meaning that it's not your wealth. He comes out with, you know, Oliya Ikram story. He goes, I gave it to my relatives and I gave it in Sadaqah. Who's it kind of who? Allah Ta'ala says, you're a liar. Angels say, you're a liar. He goes, you wanted people to say you're generous. Congratulations. Then his narrative stops. The hadith continues. Then the one who was killed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be brought. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, what were you killed for? He will say, I was commanded to fight jihad for your sake. So I fought until I was killed, O oh my Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you're a liar. The angels will testify, you have lied. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you only wanted it to be said that so and so was courageous. And indeed it was said. Stop in the report. This is probably, you know, they're all in a bad, bad way as they say. This person doesn't get a second chance. He's killed. He's died. 
meaning that he's actually finished his life with this deed. So he's the worst, you know, if you think about that. At least the others are thinking, you know, maybe they could have had more time to correct their ways. Once you give your life, that's it. This fruitcake, right, gave his life so people would call him gender, uh, him brave. You know, like people say, oh, you know, they come from a brave family, a noble family. That was his mindset. Allah Talaq was, like you're saying, you know, who is trying to fool? Then the hadith continues. Then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa struck my knees. Don't forget, the only one hearing this in Abu Huraira's dwelling is Abu Huraira. There's nobody else with him. Rasulullah. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, he struck my knees. He was that close to him. And he said, Ya Abu Huraira, Ula'ika thalathatu awwalu khalqillahi to sa'aru bihumun naru yawm al-qiyamah. These are the first people for whom the fire will be heated for on the day of resurrection. Astaghfirullah. These are the first people for whom the fire will be heated for on the day of resurrection. Toba. So what did the Prophet, why did he strike Abu Huraira's knees? Meaning, understand what I'm telling you. This is how serious the matter is. This is how serious the matter of the heart is. Because these people are the first to be dealt with by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The report continues. But this is the second part of the report. And I've summarized it slightly. It is further related by Uqba ibn Muslim, rahmatullahi, that Shofi'ih, rahmatullahi, was the same man who had come to the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Mu'awiyah ibn Abu Sufyan, and told in this hadith, radiyallahu So I've summarized it. So this Tabi'in who learned this hadith very graphically from Abu Huraira, he now has brought this hadith to the attention of the Amir al-Mu'mineen who is in Damascus, i.e. Muawiyah ibn Abu Sufyan radiyallahu anhu. Hazrat Muawiyah when he heard this, radiyallahu he said, when it will be done like this with those men, what then would be the condition of the remaining people? Thereupon Hazrat Muawiyah he wept so much that we thought he would die. And we thus said to ourselves that this man who has related the hadith has come with a mischief. Let's open the report. <coughs> Hazrat Abu Huraira found it very difficult to relate this report. Only on the third attempt he managed to relate it. Hazrat Muawiyah hears it for the, probably the first time. And he's not just shedding a few tears. He's weeping so much, they thought he's going to die. You know, when a person just starts crying and starts, you know, losing his senses. And they said, we think that this man's brought fitna. Then the report says, when Hazrat Muawiyah came around, he wiped his face. And he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have spoken the truth. And then he recited Surah Hud, alayhi salatu wassalam, Surah 11, verse 15 to 16. Audhu billahi minash shaitanu rajim. Man kana yuridul hayata dunya wa zinataha nubaffi ilayhim a'amalahum fiha wa hum fiha la yubkhasun. Whoever desires the life of this world and its beauty, we shall repay them their deeds therein. And therein they will not be robbed. 
Indeed, these are those for whom nothing is left in the hereafter except the fire. All that they contrive here is vain, and all that they are want to do is fruitless. So like I mentioned, the hadith is authentic, recorded in Tinbadi, number 2389, Hassan Gharib, Ibn Khuzayma, Hakim, Ibn Hiban, all stated Sahih. So look how interesting. Hazrat Muawiyah, he understood this hadith. But he linked it to verses. Now this shows he was a, he was a faqih. A faqih can detect the hadith and where the source is from the Quran. So he instantly related this hadith to these two verses. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Whoever desires has an intention for the life of this world and his beauty, we will give them their, repay them their deeds within it. Therein they will not be wrong. Meaning, if you're so stupid that you are doing deeds just for the sake of this world and this craziness, I will give you what you want in this world. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, nothing is left for them in the hereafter. Except the fire. All that they contrive here is wasted. All they are want to do is fruitless. So this is the report which Abu Huraira found very difficult to relate. So now there's too many lessons you can take from this hadith. Well, let's take a few. The first... Sayyidina Abu Huraira would hold circles of knowledge in his blessed dwelling. This is interesting. The best place is the masjid. The Prophet said, whoever uh, shares knowledge or acquires knowledge in the masjid, he gets the reward of a hajj and umrah. One hadith says hajj, one hadith says umrah. Hakim Sahih, Tabarani, authentic. Why is Abu Huraira holding circles in his dwelling? So a response could be to bless the dwelling. <laughs> Obviously you need to bring blessings into your own dwelling. That's why the Prophet encouraged you to pray your optional prayers in the dwelling. So there's reasons. Another response could be Rasulullah taught Abu Huraira in his dwelling. So obviously Abu Huraira wanted to follow this sunnah. The second lesson. Our beloved Messenger like I mentioned, visited this very dwelling. Thus Abu Huraira had a priceless one-to-one with Rasulullah. One-to-one is the best teaching mode because there's nobody to distract or to dilute. So he had a priceless one-to-one in his own dwelling with the Prophet The third, Sayyidina Abu Huraira two panic attacks before eventually being able to relate the awe-inspiring narration. <coughs> so even though I've said panic attacks, to be more precise, Maulana Ashraf Ali Thanawi, Rahmatullah, he elucidated in his Haqiqat Al-Tariqa Min Al-Sunnah Al-Aniqa, i.e. a Sufi study of Hadith, page 80 of the English translation. So the respected Hanafi Sheikh, he said, the fainting and shouting that most people associate with wajd is the wajd of a middling degree. 
and is known to have occurred very infrequently amongst the first Muslims. Then he quotes, Sayyidah Asmah, she said, Amongst the Salaf, i.e. the first Muslims, no one ever fainted or cried out in ecstasy when the Qur'an was being recited. The most that would happen was that people would cry or shiver under their skin and their hearts would soften to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I refer to Surah 39 verse 23. This is in Razim ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 8-188. So stop me the quote. So the respected Hanafi Sheikh, he quotes uh, Sayyidah Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr, or the wife, depending upon which Asma is relating from. And she said, nobody ever fainted or cried in ecstasy with the Quran. It wasn't something that we saw amongst the companions. But of course, it would deeply affect them. Then the Sheikh said, in a hadith related by Tirmidhi, for example, there is mention of an incident in which Abu Huraira fainted as a result of wajd. So this is where the Sheikh explains this hadith. He goes, it was very, very infrequent it would happen. But the respected Sheikh said, I believe that Abu Huraira, he fainted because of wajd. So what is wajd? Wajd is when you go into a state of unawareness due to some you know, deep point. A really you know, bad way of probably putting it across. When you get a drunk, he's, he's gone out of his senses through the haram. The wajd is the one who's gone out of his senses through the halal. And this is one way to explain it. It was very, very infrequent in the time of the sahab. In fact, very little of it would happen. But the sheikh did say, I think Abu Huraira went into that state because he was so awestruck with that hadith of the Prophet So even though I said panic attacks, I'm only using words so you can understand. But you notice that this was, they had deep understanding of the hadiths of the Prophet The fourth lesson, those who indulged in the filthy sin of Riyah being dealt with swiftly by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that awesome day. If I was to ask you, did Allah the Almighty waste any time with the people of Riyadh? They're the first. If somebody goes, who does he deal with first? The people of Riyadh. Are they Muslims? He goes, well, Kufar don't do Riyadh. So why is Allah dealing with them first? Because this is the form of shirk. This is what the Prophet faithful is more than even the Jal. The fifth, Sayyidina Muawiyah fear of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that he wept and he wept upon hearing this report. So again, sadly, not many things are known by the common masses when it comes to Hazrat Muawiyah. But they'll know one thing, because shaitan's done a good job on it. He fought Ali. And that's all they know. So if that's the only thing you know, then straight away, you've got a negative. You only know one negative about a sahaba. So what do you think, Sunnah? What's your opinion going to be about? But if somebody says, I only know one thing, what's that? He goes, he wept and he wept over the hadith. When you hear that, suddenly you think, is this the same? Yes, of course it's the same sahaba. What do you think? It's corrupt sahaba. 
Right? So, note again, his taqwa. The sixth lesson. Sayyidina Muawiyah, whose knowledge of the glorious Quran, that he related the relevant holy verses confirming the above blessed hadith from our beloved messenger. In Sayyid Bukhari, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said that Muawiyah is a faqih. Muawiyah is a faqih. Now think about that. This hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. Who's saying that? Tarjaman quran the interpreter of the Quran, who was called the ocean of knowledge. He's saying, Muawiyah is a faqih. And the context of it was, they saw him playing one rakat with her. So they brought this to the attention of Abdullah ibn Abbas. And he said, objecting to him is, is pointless. He's a faqih. If he's a faqih, why are you even bothering questioning him? But note, people don't just question him. They find fault with him. Questioning is one level. Right? Next minute, he shouldn't have done that. Who are you, brother? Where have you popped out from? He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done this. Sort yourself out. Right? So again, note, this is important to highlight about Hazrat Muawiyah. So now, Ikhlas. In Hakim, it is Mustadrak, number 7844, Sahih. Delami, it is Mustadr Firdos, number 1772. Hakim at Tirmidhi, it is Nawadir al-Usul, 1-155. Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, 1-244. Talheeb, 1-22. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Akhlis dinak, yakfiqal amilul qaleel. Be sincere in your religion. Those as a result of which your smallest deed will be sufficient for salvation. Be sincere in your religion. As a result of which your smallest deed will become sufficient for your salvation. Now think about that. What's the Prophet telling you there? He's saying if you want the most insignificant deed of yours to become heavier than the deeds of a of, of a lifetime of a average Muslim. Do it sincerely. That's what he's telling you. Allah increases the weight of a deed, the more sincere it is. Be sincere in your deed, in your religion. Your smallest deed will become sufficient. So when we think of the scales, people start thinking about numbers. You know, this is, you know, we're just going to grow some more, right? You know, it's heavy on one side, light on one side. Is it, what is it? Is it like groceries? Right? How is your scales getting heavy? Because numbers in it, brother. No, it's not. It's not numbers at all. You can have one deed. And he goes, what's that deed then, brother? It must be something like giving your life, you know, and pick something up from the masjid. That will take you to paradise. He goes, how is that going to take you to paradise? Because he was sincere. He doesn't get it. You have to hammer this into him. You have to be sincere. If you're sincere, the Prophet said, there's the deal. Try, strive to be sincere. Imam Ghazali, look what he said, something very interesting. In Muqashaf al-Qulub, page 430 of the English translation, Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi he said, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, Surah Al-Qasas, Surah 28, verse 84, Whoever comes with a good deed. Note, he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, did not say 
he who does a good deed those the importance of guarding your deeds he might you you have good this up to us us brothers are just test away now and again is what this verse brother man jaa bil hasana is whoever comes with a good deed because what does that mean is oh you know if you come with a good deed so what so what do you mean come with a good deed you know you do a good deed you come with it no it doesn't mean that imam ghazali said it means that you have to guard the deed so it gets to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you do a deed and you don't guard it it's not going to get there that's why allah taala says man jaa bil hasana whoever comes with a good deed he doesn't say whoever does a good deed because you could do it and you could lose it as the amir al mu'minin sayyidina ali radiyallahu anhu said you must be more concerned about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's acceptance of your deeds rather than the deeds themselves subhanallah you must be more concerned about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's acceptance of your deeds rather than the deeds themselves in ibn asak to think about that. who's telling you that amir al mu'minin you know sayyidina ali radiyallahu so if somebody goes what's more important brother doing the deed or striving that it becomes accepted <laughs> a person was is not the same thing with the noise now you can do the deed very easily but what if you blown it real left right didn't do it correctly is wasted so your concern should be more is it accepted in the sight of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once you have that mindset you will end up with a few deeds had not our beloved messenger said to finish sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves when you do any work that you strive to perfect it this is in tabarani in his ausat number 897 behaqi in shu'ab al-iman number 5312 to 14 and sheikh al-bari rahmatullah alayhi stated sahih in as-sahiha number 1113 So in this sahih hadith what does Allah the almighty and glorious love he loves that when you do any work you strive to perfect it so if you're a carpenter and you strive to perfect your art Allah Taala loves that if you're a blacksmith and you strive to perfect your art Allah Taala loves that you're a mechanic he loves that but what can be more important then to purify your intention before carrying out a deed this is the most important place where you need to perfect <laughs> the hadith is talking about everything obviously but what's the most important thing the prophet definitely talking about is your deed have you perfected it the guy looks like we've been perfected what are you talking about if you got it you make it sure it is not tainted you haven't told anybody about it you're not interested in anybody's tap on the bike and he goes is that important <laughs> is it important you might end up in the country going to hell and those fruit cakes just to add this very interesting they lied to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala think about that so somebody goes to you who are the ones who will lie to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you said the hypocrites are these men hypocrites or are they muslims think about that whatever the case they've lied allah ta'ala goes you're lying 
So that in itself shows there's a black heart. <laughs> but it's brought now onto the day of Allah. Ta'ala. You know, what shocks you is, you wouldn't even dare try that. <laughs> Unless you actually think that the deed was pure. Allah Ta'ala has to alert it that even you don't even know about it. Astaghfirullah. But that surely can't be the case. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala doesn't charge a soul with more than it can bear. It means you knew you're doing it for other than me. So again, this is the destruction of Riyah. And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu said, I fear for you more than the Jal. It's that destructive. And yet people don't even talk about it. And look at Abu Huraira. He fainted. Hazrat Muawiyah almost wept to death. Why? Because they understood what this meant. What did Muawiyah say? If that's the case with these people, what hope have we got? And I thought to myself, if Muawiyah is saying that, then what hope have I got? This is a companion of the Prophet So again, you should always strive, strive, keep on striving to perfect your deeds, to protect your deeds. And not Abu Huraira. He was, of course, amongst those who were purified. We ask our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the filthy sin of Riyah. Amen. So all I mentioned today was I completed the report where the famous report where Abu Huraira found it very difficult to relate. And then I mentioned, of course, some of the commentary the blessed scholars have given. And this is again of the paramount importance in the believer's life. You must constantly strive to try and perfect your deeds with the grace and mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions you like ask? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashlu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitani rajeem subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun assalamu alaykum mursaleen alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr in nisan lafi khusr ladina amanu wa amilu salihat ruwasbil haq ruwasbil sabr sadaqallahu alazim